This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Hockey. My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. And it is Judd's Hockey Show with the side of Declan Goff. As always, welcome to the program. Today we continue down after um, deviating last week and talking to Marcus Flino of the Wild in a very fun conversation. We get back to our list that we've been doing for several weeks now involving the Wild. And this one comes from a listener or a friend of yours, Yeah, Declan? well, both. Okay. Both. We appreciate uh, both things. Jake Perpich, a loyal listener of Judd's Hockey Show. Let me tell you how loyal a listener it Thank you, Jake. Jake is, Judd. He was in Florida around January time. Mm-hmm. And he sent me a picture of him listening to the podcast in January from the patio of his Airbnb, wherever the hell he was, listening to Judd's Hockey Show. That's how dedicated Jake is for for the Wild Updates. Jake, we appreciate you, and you're not only dedicated uh, to listening to the show, but you're also so dedicated that you send ideas to Declan, and we are going to directly, well, I guess we're giving you credit, but we are going to steal an idea that Jake sent uh, Declan last week. And that is in our continuing lists that involve the Minnesota Wild, the Wild's top five draft picks of, of all time. And much like we did um, with the top trades where we excluded the Devin Dubnik trade because that was just so clear in a way, the best trade. Obviously, And we both would have had that as our number one, and it wouldn't have been as much fun. We, in this case, are going to exclude the Marion Gabrick pick because he was taken, what, third overall in the expansion season of 2000. Marion Gabrick was what we have, or at least I have decided, was an underrated superstar player. So if we did Wild's top picks of all time, Marion Gabrick would clearly on both our lists be number one. So we're excluding him, and we're going to pick five more from five to one, Wild's top draft picks of all time. Would you like to begin, Declan? I would like to begin, Judd, obviously. Because you always get to start. I do. So this exercise is actually a lot easier than I thought. You thought it was going to be really I really thought it was going to be hard. Because you're like, if we can't do this, I don't know. I said, okay, let's give it some time. And uh, so number five for me, I I don't think this guy makes yours, but he does for me. He's probably on your honorable mention, but for me, he's number five. All right. That's Pierre-Marc Bouchard. PMB, who is not on the list of of what-ifs in Minnesota sports, because I don't think he had enough career to to grant a Lariano of what-if. Sure. But Pierre-Marc Bouchard... Came onto the scene pretty quick. Played very well. Unfortunately, got his bell rung a few too many times, and it prematurely ended his career. But mm-hmm. in 593 games, 356 points, 110 goals, 246 assists, 
also the master of the spinorama in the shootout. And he was one of the few center prospects that you took, and it looked like it was going to be gold, and unfortunately, it turned into a pumpkin. The concussion problems it, it really his derailed career. his career. I mean, I, I really honestly think if Pierre, a healthy Pierre-Marc Bouchard from his 20s into his 30s, how much that helps the transition for the Wild in those mid-2000s years towards the end of Gabrick, um, because I really think he was a special player and four concussions ruined his career. He's number five for me, and I, I'm like I said, I don't think he cracks your top five. And if I pulled a lot of Wild fans, maybe only the diehards would put him on there. Mm-hmm. But for me, he, he's number five for first-round picks, by the way. Okay, but before we get to the first of my uh, top five wild first round p- uh, picks of all time, give me your honorable mention list. Who who fell just on the outside? Just on the outside is Matt Dumba. And Matt Dumba has every right to take over Pierre-Marc Bouchard oh, in the yeah. next year or two. Agreed with that eventually, yes. Um, also on that list is Nick Letty. Nick Letty is the on He was picked by the Wild. Don't forget that. I, you're right. He's picked That's by the Wild. 100% fair game right there. Uh, those are the two I had written down. I think I'm missing a few. From my prep notes, but those are the two that I had written down that are just on the outside looking in. And you can make a case, too, that Nick Letty has a better career than Pierre-Marc Bouchard. I'm not going to argue there, but PMB actually did something wearing a wild sweater. Yep. It was the incompetence uh, from the Wilds brass that traded away How dare away you, sir? How, oh, dare, wow. how dare you talk about a trade with the Blackhawks, which just might not have been a good trade? I know. All right, I actually have uh, five just on the outside. And the first two I'm going to give you... Uh, could stand to move into the top five eventually, but they're not there yet. Luke Cunning, 15th overall in 2016. Okay. Yule Eriksson, 20th overall wow. in 2015. They're outside my top five. Both of them have the potential. They could be top five guys. Sure. I think Cunning has a better chance than Eriksson. Uh, I agree with that. But Eriksson, you know what? Before the pandemic hit and hockey was stopped, he was playing pretty well. He was. And, and used in the right role, Yule Eriksson X, a decent player. Uh, let's see. Who else is outside my top five? Alex Tuck, 18th overall pick in yep. 2014. We talked about this a few weeks back on Judd's Hockey Show with the side of Declan. Played in six games with Wild and no points, was a minus three in 2016-17. Unceremoniously then dealt to Vegas in the expansion draft trade. <sighs> Alex Tuck. I also, like you, include Letty, who was the 16th overall pick in 2009, ended up playing zero games for the Wild, traded to the Blackhawks in what is one of their most embarrassing deals, mm-hmm. uh, has gone on to a nice career, has never been a great defenseman, but he could certainly move the puck, and who does not need guys that can move the puck? And atop my honorable mention list is another guy who can move the puck from the blue line, and I think you're going to be surprised, because I also, for now, left off the 7th overall pick in 2012. Despite the fact he's played 411 games in a wild yeah. jersey, Matthew Dumba, very good chance to make this list. I don't see him there yet. And yes, my opinion is partially generated by the fact that uh, before play was stopped for the 2019 20 season, he had been a disappointment. Yeah. If Matthew Dumba decks tracks like he did a year ago before he got hurt in the fight against Kachuk at the X against Calgary. Matthew Dumba's on this list for sure. Yeah, I agree with you. But this year was tough, and so he doesn't. And so number five on my list is going to shock you, because I agree with you. The eighth (laughs) overall pick in 2002, Pierre-Marc Bouchard, is number five on my list. Wow. 565 games for the Wild, 106 goals, 241 assists. Ten years. Right. Now, he was hurt. He was in. He was out. Ten years, though. And so... 
I'm with you on saying that PMB could be replaced by Matthew Dumba in the coming year or so. But for now, we both agree on our number five, Pierre Mark Bouchard. And by the way, to our listeners, just like our other list, Judge and I have not consulted on these lists. We haven't shown each other the lists. In fact, we ordinarily think that we're probably going to disagree on these lists. Yeah. And if we're lockstep on five, I'm really curious what four through one looks like. We actually, for once, might be in complete lockstep here. Because number four for me mm-hmm. is Jonas Brodin. Brodin cracks number four because. How many times have you seen a rookie in the NHL who was outside of the top 10? I believe Brodeen was 11th overall. And how many times have you seen a pick outside the top 10? You have to develop that guy. It's going to be a little while. It's going to be a couple of years, just like in baseball. These guys have to mature for a couple of years. Brodeen stepped in essentially right away and was a contributor on a 2011-2012 team. Was Ryan Suter's right-hand man when he signed here in 2012 and still plays them here and there. Jonas Brodeen, although doesn't put up any gaudy box score numbers, is a steady defenseman, and he's everything you want on your blue line. And I I really factor in the immediate contributing role because I think that's really important. So he comes in at number four for me in the Wilds' first-round picks. We don't agree. Okay. Thank God. Who's number four? Number four on my list. The 20th overall selection in 2003. The young man who looked like a kid when he arrived and now looks like a caveman for San Jose. Brent Burns is number four on my list. 453 games in seven years here, 55 goals, 128 assists. Brent Burns, the Wild never, it wasn't until the very end it felt like that the Wild settled on how to use Burns, and then because he was going to come up for a new contract, they traded him. He's gone on to 660 games and a Norris Trophy in San Jose, 155 goals in nine years now. He's now been with the Sharks for nine seasons. Uh, Brent Burns is number four on my list, just based on the fact that the development in Minnesota never mm. fully took place. He's a very good draft pick right. and has turned out to be an outstanding offensive defenseman. Um, but because things didn't come to fruition completely here, I'm giving him credit. I'm giving them credit, but I'm also not going to put him as high because my list is partially generated on what did you do here yeah. for your complete career. And uh, Burns obviously has gone on to be probably a guy who's going to have his uh, number retired, maybe, or certainly if they have mm. a ring of honor in San yes, Jose, probably. more likely. Yes. I and more a couple tooth, uh, teeth that have fallen out <laughs> and a speck of his beard, along with Joe Thornton, will probably yes. be pulled out and put in some type of showcase in San Jose. Brent Burns, number four on my list. Yeah, I I. We really are going to disagree. We really are going to disagree because I, I like you. I try to factor in what they did in Minnesota overall, but in terms of prospects, we'll get into it later. But I think you and I are going to disagree. Number three, I for love me, the fact that there might be a fight now. Yeah, there's going to be a fight. No, number three for me, yes sir, um, is a guy who I feel like we've ragged on a lot, but when you look at just what he did here and where he was selected, it was a very good draft pick, and that's Mikhail Granlin. Uh, Granlin in 540 games, 352 points, 111 goals, 241 assists. Probably had the most hype of all the guys that are on this list, I think, because we all knew that his game from the Olympics was going to translate and he was great on the big sheet. He's going to be a center. He's going to be a great center. He was going to be an absolute (laughs) stud, and it took him a little while to get going, and then there was so many moments where you you would see these flashes of brilliance and, and puck dominance, but really would then also ghost and, and you wouldn't be able to notice him for a week or two. Scored one of the most iconic goals in, in wild history in the postseason against Chicago. 
I think there's enough body of work to call him one of the better first-round picks by the Wild. And for me, he's number three. There's only two guys that were better first-round picks than Mikhail Granlin. Um, so for me, he checks in at number three. Yeah, kind of goal came against the Avs, right? Was it against the Avs? Diving? Was, yes, I thought it was OT the Avs goal? or Chicago. It was one Abs. of the two. Um, okay, unfortunately, back on track here. Agree completely. <laughs> uh, Granlund is, look, just because I personally don't feel that Granlund reached the potential that we were told about, and just because every time he gets on the big sheet of ice at the Olympics, I say to myself, that guy's a superstar. And then he comes back here, and I'm like, okay, let's see the superstar. And he's at times meek. Oh, yeah. Uh, does not mean that he is not a super talented player. Does not mean that he was not a contributing player. So... I agree. He is third. He was a very good draft pick. And there's a fighting chance that if you would like to include the equation of what you got for your draft pick, that you got Kevin Fiala for Granlund. I'm not going to sell Granlund short on that either. He brought yeah. you what could be a great return. So so after uh, disagreeing on number four, we agree. We both have Mikhail Granlund at Number three, I just wish we had seen more from him. I agree. And you bring up a good point. I mean, you, you basically swapped Mikhail Granlund for Kevin Fiala, who was also a, a first-round pick in Nashville, almost in the same spot that Granlund was taken. I think Fiala was 14th or 16th overall. And Difference maker right Granlund there, Granlund was 10th. And, yeah, I mean, Kevin Fiala was a superstar for those last eight weeks and the most dynamic player the Wild have seen since a guy who was wearing number 10 left for New York about a decade ago. <laughs> number two for me. I think, again, we're close to being lockstep here. It's the captain. It's it's Miko Koivu, um, the second-best first-round pick in Wild history for me. 1,000 games, 709 points, 205 goals, 504 assists, the first and only full-time captain in Minnesota Wild history. Has spent his entire career here. Again, a guy that we maybe rag on more than we should, but, I mean, uh, is there another player that you think of when you think Minnesota Wild outside of Gabrick? It's it's Koivu. Koivu is probably the next person that pops in your mind. So, yep. for me... Um, I think Koivu is the second-best first-round pick. And actually, Judd, when I was doing the research, too, the first three first-round picks by this franchise, I believe it went Gabrick, Koivu, Mark Bouchard, Burns. I mean, those are pretty solid first-round selections that really— This was not a train wreck. Right. It really wasn't. The the first four, considering two— It became one a little bit more. Yeah. Risebrow's draft picks after what you just got through will make up our list for probably next week of the five worst. Yeah. Um, But the start of of the franchise and where they were drafting, no— it's not a train wreck at all. I, You're right. I, you look back at it, and I don't think you could have asked for a better selection of four first-round picks. Were they Gabrick being a home run, obviously, and then having three pretty good supplemental pieces as first-round picks that weren't busts. Yep. It was, yes, the corresponding draft picks afterwards that sent this franchise into a doom and gloom and then trading away the first-round picks, and we could go down a whole podcast about that. But Miko Koivu, well, we will. number two for me as we'll get the second-best uh, first-round pick by the Wild in their franchise history. Okay, so you've got Miko at uh, the second, your second favorite pick or your second best pick. Uh, again, on Judd's Hockey Show with the side of Declan, we're doing the Wild's top five draft picks. Um, and we are excluding, in case you're saying, how can Gabbert not be one? We are excluding him because he so clearly is the top draft pick all time of this franchise. I think we're going to fight on your number one, and I, I think we're going to have a good fight. Uh, my number two, after Granlin being three, is Brodeen. Jonas Brodin's been an incredibly, I mean, 10th overall pick, 2011, and he's played as a member of the Wild, 555 games. He's been rock solid, only 30 goals, but 146 points, eight years now. He is 
not appreciated. He is not a sexy player, but he is a guy who night after night provides a stability uh, that teams would love to find on the blue line. Jonas Brodeen is my second all-time draft pick by this franchise because you did really, really well there. I love this guy. Um, If you're expecting Flash, you're not going to get it, but he is a great guy to be paired with. Louis has gone down the entire uh, litany of reasons why Brodeen has become such a solid player for this franchise. So I've got Brodeen at number two on my list. So does that mean Miko's number one for you? Yes, it does. Okay, explain why Miko's number one, I guess, in, in briefly. Explain why Miko Koiv is number one. Uh, partially because my bias about him, about uh, putting him one, comes from watching Game 7 against the Avalanche in 2014 in the playoff series that they won that we'll talk about on the Nino goal. Miko Koivu was a really good player for a long time. He he was, now, he has slowed down. Um, I don't know, I don't want you to confuse the fact that I don't think he's a, he's captain material with the fact that I don't think that he was a very good player and a very stable player. And he remains a stable player. Um, but the guy that we've seen the past two years has tailed off down to, to the point of he was demoted and this did not, this did not make him a bad player, but he was a fourth line center by the time that hockey stopped because of the pandemic. But the guy who was who played for the for this franchise for a long time was a really solid. I don't want to say he was a superstar center, but he was a very solid player. And so, as the sixth overall pick, which is not exactly a top three pick in two thousand one, a guy who's played one thousand twenty eight games, two hundred five goals, seven hundred nine points in fifteen years. Just because I don't think he's captain material or I don't think that he should be a captain does not mean that I think he's bad. And I do think that because of all the things that he has given this franchise over a long-term period, that if I'm excluding Gabrick, which we are, he is my top one. And I guess by default, if I didn't put Koivu one and I put him two, I'd put Brodeen one. Because Spurgeon, they signed from the Islanders. Uh, so if, if Jared Spurgeon had been a wild pick, that obviously changes this entire exercise for me drastically. But Koivu has been a guy who had who developed here, who played well here, who played a key role on some good teams. Again, we'll get back to a good team that probably should have made a run but couldn't. So Koivu, so I go Koivu, Brodeen, Granlund, Burns, and Pierre-Marc Bouchard in that order, one through five. And I know this is hard to say because he didn't do it with the Wild. But Brent Burns, of all these guys, is the best player on this list to me. I think we saw this exercise differently, which is absolutely fine. Right. Again, we don't correspond. Like, like we don't, we don't decide all of the all of the particulars. Yes, Brent Burns has gone on to become an outstanding player. I saw this more as an exercise of the Wild's top five mm-hmm. draft picks who actually also developed here. Right. So that's. I, I'd like to fight you tooth and nail. I disagree, but I don't disagree so strongly because your last statement's not incorrect. And I, I get it. You know, Brent Burns wasn't able to do a lot here, and it was frustrating. And I think still on paper, that trade is not as bad as it sounds because you actually got something That's out wrong. of a few of those players. You're crazy. It's a I know. Trade. I know. But terrible. since he's gone. Fleeced. First round pick. You took a guy that couldn't skate. Yeah, that, but you got Charlie Coyle back. Yeah. He, it was fine. Yeah, Mr. I'll be tough when I want to yeah. be. But Brent Burns in San Jose doubled his production. He turned out to be the exact player that we all wanted him to be here. Yep. He, he was a superstar. He's a Norris candidate guy. And, he won and, a Norris trophy. Yeah. So. 
So I th- hear you. this was a guy who I think turned out to be a game-changing player. And Miko, yeah. although a very good franchise player, I don't think I can call Miko Koibu a game-changing player. No, I probably agree. I don't think that the Wild drafted, aside from Gabrick, I don't think the Wild drafted and developed a game-changing player. Red Burns got, and I do disagree very strongly, I think that's a terrible trade. Like, you got a first-round pick. Let's draft a guy that can't skate. Charlie Coyle. Now, Charlie Coyle, I liked, but he never developed. He never became, again, he was frustrating. He never became the player consistently that he should have been. And and in Setaguchi, you took a guy who you should have found out on background had a drinking problem. It's a bad trade. But yeah, if we take, if if you apply what you just said, which is who developed into a star player, you're not wrong. Brent Burns a hell of a player. So or I, was a hell of a player. I think when I look at all the first round picks the Wild have made, whether they played with them for any time or produced at a good rate or a bad rate, I think Brent Burns is second to Marion Gabrick when it comes to first round picks the Wild made. So that's my list. Uh, from five through one, I have Pierre Marc Bouchard, Jonas yep. Brodin, Mikhail Granlin, Miko Koibu, Brent Burns. And I, I go PMB, Brent Burns, Granlin at three, Brodin at two, and Koivu at one. Um, and you are about to get hit with people on Twitter oh, saying, yeah. let me tell you something right now. They had no choice but to trade him because of the Parisian suitor contracts that were, okay, I get that. But you know what? It would have been nice to keep a guy that can move the puck. No kidding. You know, and what what was the obsession? If you look at this list, including our honorable mentions, Declan, what was the obsession with trading two guys, Letty and Burns, who might have had who might have had or still currently have deficiencies as defensemen, but could move the puck. Yeah, because... Like, it, those guys are hard to find. Yeah, exactly. What it's are a, you doing trading? What are you doing trading them? Exactly. It's a rarity to have them. Matt Matt Dubba and Brent Burns, unfortunately, uh, have some flaws in their defensive games, but what they bring but offensively... But still here. Yes. In Letty, they just punted. I know. But those guys offset what they... what what holds them back defensively. And yeah. Matt Dumba has every right to move up this list. Matt Dumba, if he really, really wants it, could be one of the best first-round picks in Wild history. He still can be. I agree. But right now he's not. And what does, if I, uh, if they had kept Burns, yeah. and I look into a, a, a crystal ball right now, what would a Brodeen-Burns pairing have looked like? Would have been ideal. Yeah. Right? And then even Suter Dumba. Yeah, but I mean, Brodeen, what's Brodeen? The most stabilizing force, right? So Burns gets caught. Guess who helps him? Brodeen. Or Spurgeon with Dumba, or regardless. I mean, the blue line, just to be clear, the wild blue line, I like. Really good. It's solid. Yeah. But I also don't understand the fact that you traded away um, two defensemen who could move the puck. And I understand those guys can be frustrating, but they're really hard to find. They are. They 100% are. So yeah, I picked Koivu. This was... So this was not, to me, the exercise was not as difficult as I thought it was going to be at the outset, but that does not mean that I also looked at those five picks and thought, oh my God, they were all gold. Right. Yeah. So it was sort of an exercise where it wasn't, it's funny though, and we'll get to this next week in doing the bottom five. It's funny how so many of these picks stand out as either, well, that's a decent player. Or, oh my God, was that a terrible yeah. first-round draft pick? And with the worst first-round picks, I believe the exercise we're going to do is, obviously, you can nitpick a draft all you want because the draft at the end of the day is random. It, it, it's random in any sport. It's random. 
Uh, there's no science to nailing first-round picks, and no team has it. So what we're going to try to do mm-hmm. is whoever the wild, wherever the Wild selected within three selections after. So if a player was taken, let's say you know it was it was Tyler Kuma. Oh my God, at eighth overall. Well, I'm not going to pick the guy who went 30th, who was the best player in the draft, because also 15 teams passed on him. So sure. it has to be someone within the first. Three selections. Don't tell that. me what to do. No, don't, that's don't no, tell me what no, to do. No, that is what we're going to do. Don't I am tell telling what you do. what to do. I'm going to come back at these guys. All right. Uh, what is the latest as far as reports from around the National Hockey League um, about the resumption of play, Mr. Declan? All right. So there's a few here. Um, let's kind of try to go in chronological order. Sure. From because everything is so fluid here, and some of this might not even be relevant anymore. To be honest with some, with how crazy things are going. Uh, on April 24th. From our friends at The Athletic, you ever heard of it? Um, they had a few writers, Craig Morgan, Michael Russo, and Joe Smith. And they tried to explain hockey hub cities and evaluating the markets where the hockey season could resume. Okay. So they took tier one, they put, they put arenas in tiers, tier one, two, and three, I believe. Okay. And tier one, so the best places to have hub cities in were Columbus, Edmonton, Minnesota, and Toronto. All right. Now, the reasons... People want, or the reasons they said Minnesota was for a couple here as I pull up my notes. The Wilder, this is from Michael Russo too. The Wilder currently one of the teams currently being vetted, sources said, for a hub city. The central located Twin Cities makes a lot of sense, mostly because of the several choices of rinks for teams to practice mm-hmm. and hold a full training camp. Per capita, Minnesota has seen the fewest COVID-19 cases in the United States, and XL Energy Center is one of the more popular arenas in the NHL amongst players. The Twin Cities are used to hosting big events like the Final Four, Frozen Four, and the Super Bowl. Now, the testing here in Minnesota for COVID-19 has rapidly changed, and I know we're trying to get, I believe, 20,000 tests a day with the governor and the U of M and the Mayo Clinic. So with more testing means more people are going to be diagnosed with COVID-19. That still does mean Minnesota's been a lot more proactive than most states. So that's still good. Yep. But... I still think Hub Cities is a pipe dream. It, it it's still way too. So we would sequester the teams in like the St. Paul Hotel, the Marriott, uh, Holiday Inn across the street from put, the X. You could still put people in Minneapolis right. or in Bloomington, and then that's where they could stay. Yep, and that could be a hub city for Minnesota. What what teams get to play here, in Minnesota? We don't know, but right. that, they would be one of the hub cities. Okay, so that was that was a week ago, and to be honest, it. Now that's probably not even a possibility. Now, I, feel like I, anymore. I did see uh, Gary Bettman, the commissioner, my favorite from the National <laughs> Hockey League, was on with Ron McLean on a, um, a show that McLean is doing. I believe it's through uh, Sportsnet, and he did say that the idea of playing in like Grand Forks is gone. Yep, because they decided that they had to have buildings where there could be where I think they call it the back of the building is prepared to ha- handle a bunch of teams. So like you could have the Wild, the Blues, the Blackhawks in different locker rooms. And I think the idea was to play three games per day, but to basically shuffle in and out. And I, I don't know if Ingolstead and Ralph Ingolstead Arena and Grand Forks couldn't handle that, but that was their, that had become a concern that they had to have a building that was up to their specifications. So they couldn't just take a college building. I, I still think if you wanted to do just a Stanley cup, Grand Forks would have worked just fine. But they're not, they're going to do a playoffs, but they wanted a playoffs. Yes. Or nothing. So I, I think okay. the Grand Forks could have worked in only that regard. Uh, this is from Pierre Lebrun, which was posted today, April 29th on Tuesday, as we record, um, the NHL is kicking around the idea of starting the 2021 season. So not this season, but next season, in December, there's two reasons for this, LeBron yes. notes. Yes. Number one, the length of time it will take to complete the 2019-20 season, if returned at all, 
Several team executives that I have spoken to over the past week have said the league has hinted at being willing to go as late as September, maybe even October, to finish off the playoffs for this season. After that, some form of an offseason would be needed, even in a truncated form, before you can start a new season. That's that's point number one. Free agency and all that stuff would have to take place, yes. Number two, a lot of teams feel they need fans back in their arenas next season before opening the doors. That's what they're telling me. It's fine to try and finish off 1920 without fans because 85% of the regular season has been played. The gate money has been earned. But by the time the NHL opens up for the 2021 season, mm-hmm. most teams can't even think of starting without fans in the building. Some organizations have told me they would lose less money by simply staying dark. Yep. Hence, they're hoping for December yep. will be enough for the whole world to be in a better place with this pandemic. And he also notes... That has a lot to do with the cure being developed between now and then. Good luck with that. And it, that flies in the face of what Bill Daly, Bettman's right-hand man, said right after a play was stopped, which was that they would in no way, shape, or form allow an interruption or a delay of the 2021 season. And that the goal the goal was to play that complete. So who knows at this point. It's clear that all these leagues are making up plans and they're leaking out and nobody knows, right? Yes. But here, here's the other point, and this is true of hockey, it's true of basketball, it's true of all sports. The other question that we must ask ourselves as sports fans is when we're set to come back, okay? And so let's say it's beyond golf, because golf could, can come back yep. in June probably without a problem. I'm excited for that. Uh, but let's say it's, it's um, basketball, baseball, hockey, football, too. When we're set to come back, how much can come back mm-hmm. at once? Like, you can't just be like, well, we were having no games, and here's baseball in November on, like, let's say the 13th. And here's a hockey game from the previous season being played. Oh, and the NBA is still playing. Oh, and guess what? There's a National Football League game, and the plan is to have the Masters, I believe, in November. Somebody is going to have to bite the bullet and get out of the way and accept their fate. I know. And the other problem is LeBron's point about buildings being dark is a good one, and you can't tell me that there's not going to be a few hockey teams in big trouble. Like, you you might be opening the expansion Seattle team with two or three teams, with two teams folding. I don't know how the Florida Panthers make it. I don't know how the Coyotes make it. But I really think short-term, we need to, we, we're getting all excited about all these sports are going to come back. Okay, football's king. Football comes back, everyone out of the way. Goodbye. So, so now baseball's saying, but we're playing our playoffs in World Series. Okay, I can sort of get behind that. Oh, and and it's the Sharks making up a a, a, or a I'm sorry March 31st game, and it's November. You can't have everybody coming back at once unless you're willing to accept that some sports are going to be a not attended. That's likely, right, Dex? But the other thing is just not watched. Mm-hmm. Like unless you want to do this for for the formality, somebody's not going to get watched. Like, let's say we have a playoff baseball game, the Masters, National Football League, college football going. You really think an NHL? I love the sport. I know we do. But just get out of the way. Yeah. You're done. It's I'm over. Sorry. sorry to be a, you know what about this. And yeah, I'm, I'm, and we're at the mercy of a cure. That's exactly. where we're at right now, man. We're at the mercy of a cure. You're right. You're right. And, yeah, yeah, sorry. No, you're good. I, okay. was, and I, I was just saying it. it these kind of topics, are just reopening and, and starting things over and live free and let die, like stop that. BS. But like it's such. But I we're really also want to swear. <laughs> just from a business of sports standpoint, we're also not logically thinking through that not everybody can have their day. I know it's just not possible. It isn't. Uh, last thing. Okay. Were you as and this was sort of sad. 
before we we wrap up, and I'm not I'm I'm not kidding. I'm sort of being serious here. So Fox Sports North showed Game Seven between uh, the Avs and Wild from 2014, a couple nights ago. It really, and I know the Blackhawks were great, so I know the Blackhawks got in your way, but it had me asking so many questions watching that game, watching Nino Niederreiter for a second consecutive game in that series oh, look dominant, just outstanding. Watching Koivu with a definite jump left. Parisi and Suter were were really good back then. I got one question, because we could go on about this for a long time, but I got one question for you. What would have happened if that team had a really good goaltender? I know. Cause they, cause they like, let's say you stop the Black... Like, let's say somebody, uh, goaltending-wise, can not be perfect against the Blackhawks, but you've got an ace goaltender. Take away what happened in Game 7, and if I if I told you right now that... A hockey team whose goaltenders were Darcy Kemper and Eli Brzgalov took the defending and eventual Western Con- or, uh, yeah, the defending Stanley Cup champion to six games in a second round series. Yeah. And you said, well, who the hell was playing in front of them? Because Darcy Kemper and Eli Brzgalov aren't going to steal you a game. Yeah. And, the, the, and the ironic part is they get Devin Dubnik the next season and they find their goaltender and now it's, well... Dubnik was fine, but who was in front of them? You know, so it, it flips so quickly that it's amazing that they were able to take a really good Chicago team, and let's be honest, a good Colorado team they were able to beat, too. Oh, that yeah, wasn't a slouch. Nice, Those were no slouches. Not so. really well coached. Patrick Wall was right. a train wreck. I think Wall, McKinnon was young. I think both wild victories over the Colorado Avalanche and their franchises go down to the coaching on the other side of the bench. I agree completely. Mike Yo made Patrick Wall look like a fool, which is, I can't even and believe Josh I can say that out loud. coached circles around Tony Granato. So... Yes, it, it's remarkable that they were able to take, they're essentially two games away from the Western Conference Finals with Eli Brzgalov, who, by the way, was on my great trade list. He was a great acquisition, but he, he wasn't something to push you over, and Darcy Kemper. That's amazing to me. It would have been interesting to see that team with an ace, number one, and I'm it might, might not have been Dubnik, but let's say they just had a really good goaltender. Also, I think with an ace goaltender, the Wild match up so well against the Kings. Because that's who the Blackhawks oh, faced. Oh, they would. They, they honestly would have given the Kings a run for their money with a good. That was the in. team, man. Yep. All right. So th- this was our top five draft picks in Wild history. Sands, Marion, Gabrick. Next week it's going to be great fun. The bottom five, Declan and I will rank independently. Uh, worst five draft picks in Wild history. We appreciate you all listening to uh, Judd's Hockey Show with a side of Declan, and we are done. Declan, pass shoot score.